0: Sunday, tonight, we're starting a six, at least a six-month trial of a completely different format for Sunday dinners, as Eric mentioned. Sunday service, over a meal, every Sunday, God willing. It's going to be different. We're going to, it's going to, be, we're going to be discovering as we go how we might do that, but it'll hopefully be more communal and um, just a different format. We're starting tonight. We would love, if you are planning to come and you're a church person, just to let us know, just so we can get a better idea of catering. Um, But even if you come once or twice just to try and find out what it's like on Sunday nights, that'd be great. And I'd appreciate you remembering that occasionally in prayer, because I think hopefully it'll be a new way of inviting people and sharing Jesus and sharing Christian community on Sunday nights. Let me pray. Father, open your word to our understanding. By your Spirit, soften our hearts. And by your spirit, give us wills that have a conviction to obey Jesus, we ask now in his name. Amen. Well, we had our boot camp last week, our young men's boot camp. We were in Katoomba and it rained and rained and rained and rained and rained, rained, just like it did here. And that was great for Warragamba Dam. Uh, But there's a little secret out of boot camp. A little secret. Some of the women know that there was a secret during boot camp because I'm looking for... Some women, maybe they're smiling. We had a little secret. The boys wrote letters to a significant woman in their life and we posted them on Sunday. And so a whole bunch of women got these letters from these young men in their life, hopefully saying some encouraging things um, and saying how much they appreciated them. It was supposed to be a surprise. It was a good secret, a surprise to bless these women. But you know, not all secrets are good. In fact, most secrets, I'd say, are not good. Because when we have a secret, we feel that there is something to hide. We keep secrets most of the time out of fear. Fear of exposure, fear of being manipulated by others or a desire to protect ourselves or to even manipulate other people that we fear and to deceive them, stamp it, top secret. In other words, this must not get out because... We want to maintain control, we want the advantage, perhaps we'll extort, perhaps we'll distort and we communicate with winks and nods and code because we hide. Now imagine for a moment that you won the Powerball Lottery, 60 million dollars. That is good news, yes? That is life transforming news. You have security. You have the hope of comfort. You have opportunity to bless other people. Being generous. You have freedom to do what you want when you want. To live where you want. $60 million. Are you going to tell other people? How? Who are you going to tell? Everybody? I've now won $60 million. Well, here in church life, what were you doing in the Powerball Lottery? But really the biggest problem is envy and the hangers-on and people seeking reprisal against you because you don't deserve that. People win the lottery, this happens almost every time, they win the lottery and they lose friends because we're so envious and we expect a piece of the pie, which is kind of strange because you have this incredibly good news but you want to keep it a bit of a secret. John chapter 18 is good news. We start this se- we have this series, Jesus' Passion. This is the greatest gift of all as Jesus willingly gives himself for his people. It starts with terrible scenes in the garden. Soldiers and torches and weapons come And Jesus is betrayed by his good friend Judas. Peter gets all all, all uppity and chops off one of the servant's ears who's come to arrest him. Jesus heals that ear and then is bound and led off to Annas, the sword of high priest. So it's, it's quite a terrible scene. And Jesus says, I'm doing this willingly to do my father's will. He does this as a gift to save his disciples who, overcome with fear, run into the night. Two, however, two of them choose to follow Jesus and the crowd of mobs, and they follow at a distance. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. The other disciple is most likely John who wrote our gospel. He refers to himself almost in the third person indirectly throughout John's gospel. And it's funny because John seems quite secure. He seems to be known in this high priest's Area, so he enters freely there's no fear there a young man who is known but Peter's not known in fact Peter's just chopped off the high priest's servants ear in violence and so there is danger for Peter to enter this courtyard so he remains at the door John goes out sorts everything out comes out and brings Peter in because they want to be where Jesus is they want to follow this Have you ever been to a strange or an unknown church with a friend? Maybe it's just me, but when that happens to me, I feel a little bit exposed. I feel, what are people thinking? How does it work around here? And I'm a bit on edge, and are they going to judge me? Imagine what it's like for Peter, entering the high priest's courtyard after following Jesus and attacking the servant. And there is Jesus in Annas' house, bound on trial. What's going to happen? John tells us what happens, but he does it using a gospel sandwich. In other words, he takes the main story and he sandwiches it between two other stories, which are kind of the same story. The other story is the the loaves of bread is Peter's denying Jesus three times. So in this way this works, we have the bottom layer of the sandwich, we have a bit about Peter and the curtain closes, the scene changes and we have Jesus on trial before Annas, then the curtain closes and we're back to the original scene, Peter in the courtyard by the fire. Three scenes, it's a sandwich. There's a number of times these sandwich-type patterns turn up in the Gospels, particularly in the Gospels, but also in other parts of Scripture. And every time, it feels like you've got, why have they just stopped that story and put another story? Why don't they just keep going? Well, every time, even though the stories may look very different, they're put there together for a good reason. And you know what? The bit in the middle, the filling, that's where the meat is. That's where the good stuff is. That's where the main point of the story is almost always found. Where the filling is between the two slices of bread. Well, let's start with the first slice of bread. Peter is in the courtyard and he is on edge. He's in a strange environment. He's cut off this guy's ear who probably works in this very house He's seen Jesus heal that ear, he's followed Jesus, he's watched his master led into this place and he follows at a safe distance and then just slips into the inner sanctum, the courtyard. Peter wants to stay under the radar. He wants to be incognito. But very, very soon there is the threat of exposure. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty and brought Peter in. Servant girl at the door, doorkeeper. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. Now she probably knew John because he was familiar there. And she knew John was a follower of Jesus, a disciple. So this guy who's coming in with John, doesn't it kind of make sense that he too is a follower of Jesus? So you aren't one of the man's disciples too, are you? Nice, simple, easy question. This is a servant girl. She is low risk. Let's not stir the pot. Let's just give a simple, easy reply. Let's just brush this off. No, not me let's stay under the radar where it's safe and it works it was cold and the servants and the officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm these are the same guys that they would just encountered in the garden almost likely Peter was also standing there with them warming himself he joins this bunch of blokes around the fire you know what that's like idle chit-chat, they're warming themselves. It's kind of like a bunch of guys around a bar who don't know one another. And Peter's blending in. You're familiar with this, I'm sure, because I know I'm familiar with this. You blend in. You keep quiet. You just stay under the radar as a follower of Jesus. Maybe unlike Peter, maybe you don't tell an outright lie, even though it's just a simple little one on the passing. Maybe you don't lie, but... Let's just keep it quiet here. So, I don't think we're any different to Peter. In this context, amongst these people, I think I'll just stay under the radar. But is that right for a follower of Jesus? Is that what it means to say, I will follow you, you are my Lord? change of scene, curtain closes, meanwhile back at the ranch or meanwhile back at the trial with Ennis. This is the main story, Jesus is on trial. Ennis, Ennis is a deposed high priest. He was high priest. The the Roman governor before Pontius Pilate said, no, you're getting too powerful, out you go. Now he's supposed to be high priest for life. A bit like the Pope. But no, the, the, the governor says, out you go. So Annas organises for his son, then his son, then his son, then his son, then his son-in-law, Caiaphas, to be high priest. But Annas is still pulling the strings. He is the puppeteer. Verse 19. Meanwhile, the high priest, that is Annas, the deposed one, questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Come on, spill the beans. Out with it. Who else is with you in this? What have you been saying? What have you been teaching? Jesus replies and basically says there's nothing to say because it's all been said. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me, surely they know what I said. Ask anyone. I'm not keeping secrets, my teaching, my activity, it's all been out in the open. It's all been right where you can hear it, plain and simple. You know, I raised Lazarus from the dead. That caused a stir and said, I am the resurrection and the life. I overturned tables in the temple and said, do not turn my father's house into a market. I healed a man born blind from birth. I said, I am the light of the world. I fed thousands. I said, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I said to you, and you took great offense before Abraham was, I am. I challenged your sin and self-righteousness, your blindness and your depravity. I said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What more do I need to say? You know, ask anyone. Now here's the point of the middle of the sandwich, I believe. Jesus has kept no secrets. He's spoken plainly so that anyone can hear. He has told the truth. When the truth was unpalatable, he told the truth. He called people to repentance, to trust him and to follow him, to be made right with his father. Draw your own conclusions. I've hidden nothing. I have spoken openly and plainly. And that is why he's in big trouble. Because he told the truth. And the trouble continues. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify to what's wrong. What have I done? But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Why would you strike me on behalf of the truth? Jesus is speaking truth to power. And if you want to challenge me, says Jesus, challenge me on that, whether I did indeed speak the truth to power. Now, this is enough for Ennis. I think he feels like he's done his job. The verdict is clear. This man is guilty. So Ennis sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest, the actual high priest. The puppeteer sends him to his son-in-law, the puppet. And Jesus has spoken the truth, for he is the truth. He is the greatest reality, and his gift of himself in love is the greatest gift. Jesus is our truth in a wicked world, in a world that turns away from God. Jesus is the filling in the middle of the sandwich, speaking truth openly curtain closes scene 3 ducking and weaving the top slice of bread familiar setting cuz as i said it's just a repeat while meanwhile back back outside the room meanwhile simon peter was still standing there warming himself oh we've been here before how is peter going staying under the radar He leaped that first hurdle, the servant girl, not a particularly hard hurdle to leap. He made it to the fireside. He is now safe. He's camouflaged. Until he's blinded by a broadside. You know, they're chatting away. So they asked him, aren't you one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying exactly the same words. I am not. Not I am, literally. He's ducking and weaving. He's running and hiding. But not this time in private to a servant girl. Now to all these guards, all these men standing around the fire. No, not me, mate. No. It's very believable, isn't it? It's so easy to end up in this downward spiral. As Sir Walter Scott wrote, Oh, what tangled webs we weave when first we practice to deceive. Deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it starts so simply. Jesus stands before Ennis and denies nothing. Peter cowers before the guards and denies everything. Have you been there? At work, in the sports club, with your family perhaps? You know, just stay under the radar. Slip up here, slip up there. Oh, it's getting deeper and deeper. I don't really want to say now that I'm a follower of Jesus, that actually my life is committed to him. And so I deeper and deeper and I just blend in. I don't mean to deny, I don't mean to deceive, but oh, what's happening here? And again for Peter, it happens again, deeper and deeper, and this time it's more pointed and more personal. One of the high priest's servants, uh uh-oh, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. It's really pointed now. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. This time it's deliberate and it's an outright lie. A lie against Jesus, his Lord. He is ducking and weaving, and there is nowhere to run. Until finally there is exposure. At that moment, a rooster began to crow now if you know the story you know the significance but Jesus knew this would happen going earlier in John's gospel chapter 13 Simon Peter asked him Lord where are you going Jesus replied where I am going you cannot follow now but you will follow later Peter asked Lord why can't I follow you now I'm going to lay down my life for you and Jesus answered will you really lay down your life for me Peter very truly, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Jesus knew. And there is Peter, denying Jesus three times, now exposed to that crowd right around the fire. A follower of Jesus, who's denied him. Now, what's the significance of that exposure for Peter? Peter. Absolutely nothing. As far as we're aware, there is no further mention of what happens to Peter. Except that he sees Jesus crucified and risen. He obviously goes free. All that denial, all that running and hiding and ducking and weaving, it's it's no big deal. Okay, say you're a follower of Jesus, just like John. your neighbours, at work, with your family. Oh, all that ducking and weaving. Oh, suddenly maybe they're going to realise I'm fair dinkum about this Jesus thing, about being a Christian. Maybe they'll realise that actually it really makes a huge difference to my life. Oh, they find out. Guess what? No big deal 90% of the time. Oh, yeah, they may draw judgments, They may treat you slightly different, but you get on with your work. You get on with family life. For us, that's the way it is 99% of the time. And we duck and weave and avoid and stay under the radar. I know, I've been there. But the real exposure is that before God and shame before our Savior Jesus, who gives to us the greatest gift, his own body. To save us. And we respond by denying him. We stab him in the back. When he offers the greatest gift for us. We crucify him on the cross. Don't know him, just take him away. You see, what's happening here, Jesus is on trial. But, uh, 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 uh. Peter's on trial. We are on trial. And we are judged and found wanting. Peter chooses the safety of camouflage and the comfort of a warm fire over bearing witness to Jesus. And it stings. Because I know where Peter is. And it's even worse if you think about the words of Jesus. This exposure. Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And hang heads in shame. To hide Jesus and his glory and his salvation, I need to be forgiven. Praise God for the middle of the sandwich. Praise God for the middle of the sandwich we've been singing about. Jesus knows our weaknesses just as he knew Peter's weakness. Jesus offers himself freely as the greatest gift to save us from our sin and our failing so that we might be restored in him. You know, John's gospel does not end with Peter, the guy who followed him so bravely denying him three times. John's gospel ends with Peter being restored by Jesus and commissioned by Jesus three times. After Jesus' resurrection, I'll just read the third one in John 21 towards the end of John's gospel. The third time Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You who denied me, do you love me three times? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep, Peter. You're restored and you have a role. Feed my sheep. If there is hope for Peter, then there is hope for you and I. Because Jesus promises to restore and strengthen and empower. He promises to give us his spirit who will give us the words at the right moment. When we feel lost. To speak to a lost world. You see, our faith, our hope, it's not bad news. It's incredibly good news. It's better than the Powerball Lottery by infinite amounts because that all perishes and fades. We have good news to share, so let's not keep the good news a secret. Let's not be controlled by fear. Let's be controlled by good news and revelation and joy. Speak plainly to let the world know that in Jesus Christ you have a friend, you have a saviour, you have forgiveness from the Lord and King of creation, the lover of my soul. And I follow him, I do, and I love him, I do, and I believe he is risen, I know it for sure and my hope is in him, and I bear witness to his majesty and his grace with joy I will not run and hide I'd like to finish with the story of Stuart Hamblin he grew up as a pastor's kid uh, early 20th century and then he became quite famous he got a radio show he was a singer he was a songwriter in fact on the west coast of the USA he had the most popular radio show of the day back in the 40s and early 50s but his fame, yeah, just to let you, he wrote, he wrote this old house, done by Shaken and Stevens and some others. He wrote, Let the sun shine in, face it with a grin, open up your heart and let the sun shine in if you know those songs. And maybe I'm the only one in the world who knows those songs. <laughs> Good songs. But he didn't handle his fame as so many struggle to handle fame. He turned to grog, he became something of an alcoholic, he gambled a lot of his money away. He was often, frequently, put in jail for public brawling when he'd get drunk and the radio executives would bail him out every single time because they were making good money out of Stuart Hamblin. He married a Christian girl, maybe through his connections as a young person, through his parents, and she invited him to a Billy Graham crusade in 1949 in Los Angeles. Now, in 1949, Billy Graham was meeting in halls Maybe a, hundred, a few hundred people were coming to hear Billy Graham preach and say, follow Jesus. Stuart Hamblin went to one of, those invita- one of those meetings and heard the gospel through Billy Graham and gave his life to Jesus. And his life never was the same. In fact, Billy Graham's ministry never was the same. This was the viral moment. Stuart Hamblin went back on his radio show and told people his life had changed. He's now a follower of Jesus. And so from that, Billy Graham says, from that point, that's when Billy Graham crusades went viral. Instead of a few hundred people, the the big one, the first very big one was the Los Angeles crusade. Suddenly thousands and thousands of people, night after night, suddenly tens of thousands of people, suddenly hundreds of thousands of people. This was Stuart Hamblin's conversion, was kind of the the moment that turned Billy Graham's life around, but it certainly turned Stuart Hamblin's life around. He lost his job with the radio because he refused to do beer commercials. He had a big drinking problem. So they sacked him. A bit of time after this, he met up with John Wayne because he was also an actor. He did lots of westerns with Gene Autry and John, John Wayne. And John Wayne offered him a drink. He says, I can't. My life's been changed. He said to him, it's no secret, John, what the Lord can do. John Wayne said to him, the great movie actor, you know, you should write a song about that. You should make that the title. It is no secret. And so he did. He wrote a song called It Is No Secret. What God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. With, oh, the musicians are moving. With, <laughs> Just getting ready. He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. The song actually captures the essence of this message. The chimes of time ring out the news. Another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. Was that someone you... You may have longed for added grace, your courage to renew. Do not be disheartened because I've got news for you. It is no secret what God can do. It is no secret what he's done for others, he'll do for you. The song's been done by Elvis, Johnny Cash, Ann Murray. Can't think of the other guy that I'm thinking of, but another famous singer. It's a popular, popular song. Many of you know it. I can see some of you nodding your heads. Some of you are saying, what is this song? (laughs) Big Billy Graham crew song. Anyway, George Beverly Shea, thank you, Ed. It's a song about those who fall, who get restored and say it's no secret. What Jesus did for Peter, Jesus did for Stuart Hamblin, and Jesus has done for me, and Jesus can do for you. So we're going to finish by singing it. We're going to have it as an item for the verses. So if you do know, you can sing along if you want. Feel free, but they're going to do it at the item. And then when we come to the chorus, we're going to all sing the chorus together. If you don't know it, you'll pick it up pretty quickly. Hang in there. It is no secret what God can do. Amen.